Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. All right, 1 John chapter number 3, and I'm going to be turning there as well this morning. Amen, uh, as you've probably already turned there. 1 John 3, also we'll be reading uh, 1 John chapter number 4 uh, today in your hearing. 1 John, though, first chapter number 3, and that's 1 John, folks. I don't want you to get uh, confused with it being St. John. 1 John chapter number 3 and verse number 24. The Bible states these words, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in them, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. Also in 1 John chapter number 4 and verse number 13, the scripture reads this. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. He has given us of his spirit I don't have a title necessarily for this today so let's go to the Lord in prayer Father I come to you right now Lord we're asking God for your help Lord with our hearts and our minds Lord Jesus today God I pray oh Lord God bring everything Lord into captivity Lord this morning we'll thank you for that we'll praise you for that I'm leaning God upon you Lord leaning God upon your will your purpose and your way God would be a done Lord Jesus and accomplished here we need you Jesus God we cannot Lord make it without you God we're having just one service here today God and I want to reach out and touch heaven Lord during this time period I need Lord the intermingling of you in my life and in the life God of this church it is needful Father it is necessary I'd even say God it's imperative God that we have Lord a visitation Lord of heaven God in the next few moments Lord and we'll praise you and we'll thank you God for what you indeed do Lord and accomplish in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray Amen and amen in the church. Say amen. amen. You may be seated this morning. The lovely name of the Lord. If you'll allow me just to walk into this a little bit today, I'm not real sure where all we're headed. Amen. But we'll stay biblical. I guarantee you that. Amen. Today, I'm going to stay biblical. Uh, there is something here over the past several weeks, and I have uh, talked with a few people uh, concerning this and have made mention of it uh, here and there because it just keeps on pressing upon and on in my heart and upon my mind. And uh, the subject matter is this is because sometimes whenever uh, a minister teaches or whenever he preaches, you get uh, your uh, inspiration, if you will, from various means in various places. Uh, there is sometimes that a person teaches or that they may preach that it is purely that it is inspiration. It's the touch of the spirit of God upon your heart and your mind giving you guidance and direction to uh, know what the subject matter should be that you share with the people in order to preach or teach. There are other times that uh, you teach or preach from what would be called observation uh, because there may be some things taking place within the body. I know if, if you've ever had one of those moments you felt like they were preaching at me, that could very well have been the case. 
we see uh, we see that over and over again in Scripture. The Apostle Paul admonished things in the church at Corinth because those things were going on. He preached about them. He addressed them. He taught about them because they were happening. So sometimes uh, you teach or preach from observation. But there are other times, even in all of that, that you may teach or preach because there are events that are taking place in the world. Or there are things that arise as, as what we might call they're fashionable, they're trending. There's trending things that take place and, and there's a lot of uh, things being spoken about from the religious world and from the world concerning those and sometimes people need to know where your local church is on the and so with that, it was, there is something that is, and you may not heard, but there's something that's starting uh, to trend in the religious world. There is a new uh, book out. I have not read it yet. Just download it this morning. I'm going to download it, and I might be with it here for a little while around this church. But it's trending in the religious world. And I read a blog uh, concerning this new book that's coming out. And uh, there are a few video clips of the author stating some things. And the book is entitled this, Stop Asking Jesus Into Your heart how to know for sure you are saved and uh, there's a book published on this again I, I preface that I've not read this book I do have it within my own care now and I'm going to it's just recently released but stop asking Jesus into your heart uh, many if not most if you've been exposed to any other type of uh, denomination or religion and I, I want to preface today uh, that I, I, I am not here to to uh, be unkind uh, at all that is not my purpose here this morning to be unkind to anyone but I do believe in being biblical all right uh, but not to be unkind but if you've been exposed to any other uh, denomination amen outside of where you presently are uh, you have probably have heard the statement of asking Jesus into your heart uh, you have heard that if if you've been in other places they may have incorporated whenever you come to an altar even from your own seat the idea of a sinner's prayer and you might have repeated something along the lines about dear Jesus I am a sinner uh, I repent of my sins please forgive me and save me by your shed blood come into my heart and I want to receive you as my own personal Lord and Savior amen and at the conclusion of that, you hear this through TV programs still yet today. Uh, we go uh, uh, to uh, concerts of religious fashion. Many times at the end of their uh, singing and stuff, they have an altar call or some type of plea for someone to make a move for God, so to speak. And they ask people to ask Jesus into their heart. And shortly thereafter, they'll ask for the number of hands that are raised. How many ask the Lord into their heart? Okay, we had 50 here that got saved tonight. And it's in this blog, in this new book that is coming out, there is a man that is of the persuasion that's been around that for uh, the entirety of his years of this asking Jesus into your heart and saying uh, the sinner's prayer. And yet in the video, and I even showed Bishop uh, that he was expounding and talking about this, and it was, it, it was kind of a humorous thing, but at not the same time it was not humorous. He said, I couldn't tell you how many times I've asked Christ into my heart. And he says, me and a bunch of people. He says, it seemed like I was uh, saved at youth camps and camps and conferences and retreats all over America. They probably have record of my conversion in their books because every place that I went, I always said this in his prayer and asked Jesus in my heart. And he was pointing at the idea because he said, I could never know for sure 
whether or not Christ was in my heart. I prayed the prayer, I asked him into my heart, but there was never nothing that materialized or no indication beyond just having faith that it happened. That Jesus came into my heart. He said they probably had my conversion in a lot of places. I did this repetitively. I would hear the call because I was in question about whether or not I was saved or that salvation had taken place. Or in all this, but then whenever I heard this and it struck my heart so vastly that God began to bring to my mind the scriptures that I read to you even just this morning where the writer John is pinning in, in chapter 3 and verse 24 speaking that the way that I know that he dwells in me and I dwell in him is because by the spirit which he hath given us he said in another portion he said there in chapter 4 he says hereby know we that we dwell in him and he dwells in us because of the spirit that he gave us and that's fine and well so I know that I dwell in him and he dwells in me because of the spirit that he gave me but then I ask the question today how do you know you've been given his spirit all right? I mean, I just want to stay biblical today. How do we know that we have been given his spirit? Now, some would say, well, if you keep his commandments. Well, that's true. The scripture says that. Even in 1 John, you keep his commandments. That's great and that's fine. Again, something I like to point to today is that the word of God is not taking a single verse or a single chapter and you're living your life on a single verse and a single chapter. You're going to take the word of God, you take every bit of the word of God. That's the reason why you've heard me say before, well, you know, you're saved by faith. Yes, that's true. You're saved by belief. Yes, that's true. You're also saved because you were obedient to the word which you heard. Yes, that's true, which means repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's not just taking one scripture to say, well, we're saved by faith, that's how we're saved. Or we're saved by belief, or that's how we're saved. It's taking all these things together, all 66 books from Genesis to Revelation. Amen. That denotes and indicates our salvation. So yes, it takes belief and yes, it takes faith because at the end of this little blog and the end of this little video, he came to terms and just said he was going back to Luther and Luther had his own right. But Luther had a big preaching about the justification of faith in the book of Romans that he was trying to somehow pacify people's minds and hearts that you're saved by faith. And so you don't necessarily have to have anything that's going to materialize or take place the moment you ask Jesus in to your heart just have faith that it's done and you're justified by it again folks that that you just believe that it's done and it's said and done but I have more than that I know with a surety this morning as a child of God that I have received his spirit and if I received his spirit I dwell in him and he dwells in me if I may Acts chapter 4 and verse number 1 even starting or verse Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1 and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting 
and there Jesus said, go to Jerusalem. I'm sending the promise there. He says, all they filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire. It sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. What is the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God. When you get the Spirit of God, you dwell in Him, and He dwells in you. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit what spirit the spirit they just received the spirit that now dwells inside of them the spirit gave them the utterance so i know i have him and he has me because he gave me his spirit but i know i've got his spirit because when i'm born again i will speak in new tongues I am not sitting here today and next Sunday going to come up here and get rebaptized in Jesus' name and go through all the motions, if you will, and seek and plead for God to come into my life. Because when I was eight years old, I bent my knee, I repented, I had faith, I believed, and God gave me his spirit. How do you know that? I spoke in a language that I was never taught. And it's the spirit that gives the utterance. There's not a day that I arise that I'm sitting there, Brother Terry, wringing my hands, wondering if I'm saved today or unsaved, wondering if he's in me or not in me. I know that I know. Now, there's times that I don't feel. Well, thank God this experience is more than a feeling. There's times I don't feel that. There's times I go to prayer. I don't feel all goosebumps and there's a big presence of God. But sometimes in that prayer, I can speak in tongues in that heavenly language without really feeling like it and do it. And you know what God's saying? I'm in you. I'm in you. I'm in you. I don't have any doubt today. Someone say amen. amen. It takes faith. I believe that. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 11. You just go out to walk with me today. Listen, if you're looking for something nice, I'll plan it down. But I got a lot of scriptures right here in this head and in this heart because that's where I put them. Amen. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 6. Yes, it takes faith. The great faith chapter tells us without faith. It is impossible to please him, but for he that cometh to God, what? Must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It takes faith. It takes faith even to approach God. Yeah, it takes faith. Amen, but I believe it's more than faith. You've heard me say more and more than, than probably you'd even like to hear. But go on through the little book of Hebrews, the great faith chapter. Read about each and every one of those individuals and their faith had some type of action because faith without works is dead. The writer said, the Bible says that Abel, look at it in verse 3 or 4, Abel offered Enoch, please God. Why? Because Old Testament said he 
walked with God. Look at Noah. He prepared an ark. Abraham, when he was called out, what did he do? He started going on a journey. The Bible says that he obeyed. What are you talking about? We need faith, yes. But faith will spawn you to do something. Faith will spawn you to do something. It's more than just believe. I just believe I'm saved. Honey, I don't just believe I'm saved. I know I'm saved because the spirit that he gave me says I'm in him and he's in me and I know I got that spirit because there's an utterance that's issued forth from day to day to day. What are you talking about this this morning, Brother McGee? I'll tell you why. Because it's something trending. Because there's going to be people that just going to pray the old prayer of repentance, and that's needful. In and of itself, there's really nothing that wrong with the sinner's prayer. It's asking for repentance. It's asking for God's help. That's a good starting place, but a horrible stopping place. If there was one man that came out talking about this, and again, I haven't read his book. I'll read it, and there'll probably be other stuff to come up out of this because it's trending. We need to talk about it. But if one man's saying that he had doubts, how many other people that's done the same thing are living in doubts concerning whether or not they are God's and God's is theirs? Nothing materializing. Nothing materializing. Well, let's look at some of the things of longevity. For one thing, speaking in other tongues is an instantaneous sign or evidence. You want to take, say, well, I believe, I believe I, I'm saved because I have faith that I'm saved. That's great. Let's go back to Hebrews 11 and verse number 1 then. Now faith is, everybody say, is the substance of things hoped for and the of things not seen. So I have faith. I have faith. I believe that I'm saved. I have faith. That's fine. If that's so, then there should be two things, namely substance and evidence. Hear me? Substance and evidence. That should be prevalent in the life in order for salvation to have been in your life. There will be other things in Galatians chapter number 5. The Bible speaks of the fruits of the spirit. It speaks of love and joy. It speaks of gentleness and goodness. It speaks of all of these things that are needful and necessary in the life of individual. These are things that will come about by due process. They will happen. They will eventually take place. But I even tell you today, someone can be good, joyful, peaceful, and all this stuff and still not be saved. If I, if I read my Bible correctly, Acts chapter number 9 tells me of a man, or not 9, but 10, tells me of a man of Cornelius, of the Italian band, of the Gentile fold. And the Bible speaks that he is a man that sent up prayers and alms. He's a good man. He's a good moral man. I would say that he probably has faith and love, gentleness, goodness. Very, all of this is applicable for Cornelius. He's a good man. He has some traits maybe that are even of the fruits of the Spirit. He has some of these things. But he still needed the Holy Ghost. He's a good man. But he still needed the Holy Ghost. And he has the vision. And Peter comes to him as they sent for him. And he comes and he begins to speak to them the things concerning the word of God. And we know in verse number 44, the Bible says, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. 
And the Bible says in day of the circumcision, the Jews which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter even mentions later to a group of people of the elders. He said they received the same like gift as we received. So there was no difference in it. He says, for they heard them speak with tongues. Look at that. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water? Amen. Concerning these that receive the Holy Ghost, let them also be baptized. But the point is this. There is, listen, there's a lot of good people in the world. I know some people personally that are good that live better sometimes than other people I know that should be saved. They're good people. But you got to be born again. From Jesus' own lips to Nicodemus in John 3, he said, you must be born again. You must be born, and he broke it down, of the water and of the spirit. In order, and he told us two things, in order not just to see, but also to enter the kingdom of God. you got to be born of the water and of the spirit. What do you say? Jesus didn't say it's just faith only, Nicodemus. He didn't just say it's just belief only. No, he says you got to be born again of the water and the spirit. And in that is faith and in that is belief, but it does not stop there. In Mark 16, 16, if we're just looking at belief, it's more than belief. We see another portion of scripture, again, taking in the whole panorama of scripture. Amen, that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be Damn, so it's more than just belief. There's belief and baptism. The, the apostle was speaking to those of Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. They came and he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Said, well, we not even heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. If it was belief alone, then those boys were on their way to heaven. But that's not what the apostle said. Have you received the Holy Ghost? He says, if you, uh, the only thing that we get from John to know that you are in him and he is in you is if you've received his spirit. And the way that you know that happens is by speaking in other tongues. Initially, instantaneously. We have a mandate from heaven, I believe. Yes, we do. And listen, again, folks, my purpose is not to be mean or ugly. It's not that. My purpose is to be biblical. So when do you... Let me ask this assembly. Where in the conversation or in the life of an individual do you start being biblical? I've said this before, folks. And again, this is not the only church I've ever been exposed to. All right. I've been in those places where people just try to hide doctrine and hide the truth of God's word so no one feels uncomfortable and everything's fine. And maybe they'll sneak it in the back door and they'll realize it. Uh, there are Bible studies and new convert classes out today that don't hit no r- real big cardinal doctrine things until 18 weeks down in the course. Because then there's some people like that because uh, if they don't start, uh, again, if they don't start talking about the, the Godhead, until week number 17, then you have a better inroad, you know, with anybody that might not uh, believe that there is one God, which they all usually believe that, but believe that one God is expressed in one person, namely Jesus Christ, rather than three persons. And so if you don't go out of the gate with that and you can wait till 17, you have a, you may be perhaps a better chance. Well, you know, again, I'm not trying to be mean, but I just have difficulty with all this. 
Because in Acts 17, whenever the Apostle Paul was walking along the area of Mars Hill, and he was around in Athens, and he was waiting for some others, the Bible said that he disputed daily with people that were in the marketplace because they were idolaters, the Bible says. He said they were in idolatry. And they even had him to come to Areopagus. It was a place which was Mars Hill. And they wanted to hear him concerning matters, this new thing, new teaching that he had. Paul did not begin and start talking about, you know, baseball. He didn't just start talking about everything that was pleasing to them or what they did. He went out of the gate and said, as I was walking among y'all's place, he said, I've seen an altar to the unknown God. He says, in that altar, that God, I'm here to declare unto you. Now, folks, if that isn't coming out of the gate talking about their adultery. In Acts chapter number 8, the Bible says that Philip was taken to an Ethiopian eunuch that was out in the desert. He was reading the scripture of Isaiah that in his humiliation... He is reading of. He's not understanding what he's reading. But the Bible says that Paul meets him, or the Philip meets the eunuch there. And, and this is good. I believe this is fine. There's nothing wrong. Starting where people are. Starting where the sinners there. They're familiar with that. Start with repentance. Start with faith. That's where they're at. That's fine. The Bible says he started where he left off. But he preached Jesus to him. And in the very next verse, look now, they're riding along, and it is the eunuch, not Philip. It's the eunuch that says, hey, here's water. What hinders me to be baptized? Now, if Philip just stayed in Isaiah, he would have never talked about water baptism. If Philip was talking about uh, the humiliation, the crucifix of Christ in the Old Testament, which some just say that's the suffering servant and don't even make uh, the, the illustration or parallel that that was the Christ of the New Testament that Isaiah was prophesying of. Somebody keep him as an Old Testament thing. Amen. But if he was just talking about that, and that's all he talked about was the humiliation or the crucifix of Christ, then what in the world would it that would prompt the eunuch to know, hey, I need water and I need baptism? In the very next verse, why? Because Philip, the Bible says, preached Jesus. And when you preach Jesus, you preach his name. When you preach Jesus, you preach repentance. When you preach Jesus, you preach baptism in that name. When you preach Jesus, you preach the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the need of his spirit. I believe Philip just let it all hang out, so to speak, so that whenever they got to the water, not Philip, but the eunuch said, hey, I remember you saying something about needing baptized. Here's some water. What doth hinder me? Bishop, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry, and I don't mean to be on the soapbox around on the post, but I don't understand this stuff. Amen, just, just give it some time. Just let that whole Godhead and let that whole baptism in Jesus' name thing, just let it come up whenever it comes up. Honey, do you look around you? Do you see the signs of the time? I don't know if we got enough time for another service to wait. I don't know if we have time for another service for somebody to find out on their own. Somebody's got to give a voice. Somebody's got to be a herald. Somebody's You understand what I'm saying? Jude said some you say with compassion, but others by pulling them out of the fire. Somebody's got to reach their hand out with truth and pull somebody out of the fire. We don't have time to be politically correct. We got to be biblically correct.
The apostle said there has been a part or a dispensation of grace that's been committed to my hand. And so I'm responsible to do with it what I will. Folks, it's no different. There's been a disposition of grace extended in our hands. We gotta use it by all means held it. That this is truth, this is the way, this is how you're born again of the water and the spirit. Repentance, faith, that's great. But let's build on that. fact of the matter is this. Yes, there are good people and they have good deeds. If God comes into their life, there's even going to be improvement upon what they already had good. There will be a change. Saul in Acts 9 went to Paul. He realized Jesus, God being, Jesus being God in Acts 9. He realized Jesus was God in Acts chapter number 9. He had persecuted people for preaching Jesus, persecuted the church. He was even at that moment on his way to Damascus with letters from the priest to do what he would with those that were doing those type of things. But he had that. He was struck blind. God sends his disciple, a certain disciple by the name of Ananias, to him. He lays his hands on him. He says, my brother Paul, even Jesus had me to come to you. As the story goes in Acts number 9, here... Saul was blind at the time the scales fell off his eyes the Bible says he was baptized he got the spirit of God and there was a magnificent change that was more than just a name change from Saul to Paul insomuch that these people that seen such a dramatic change in the life of Saul was a little bit iffy about him because he was such a grand persecutor and a hater of this way and now they see the same man propagating it, preaching it. And so they're just a little iffy because they're like, this is such a radical change. It's almost too good to be true. But whenever you see the spirit of Christ, that's the reason why I see there's trouble, folks. If I just believe in by faith and still I'm very doubtful, why are you doubtful? Has there been no change? Is life before that and after that mirroring one another and they're exactly the same? Still go the places you go, say the things you do, do whatever you want to do. Nothing materialized. I'm doubtful because, you know, I just don't know whether or not either things happen or not. Is it because everything's just remaining as everything always has been? Do you receive his spirit? <laughs> it's going to provoke a change now granted I know that may be a time it may happen over time but if there hasn't been any change you better see if he dwells in you and you dwell in him and if you've received his spirit 
yeah, we have our, yeah, we, we have our times after receiving the Holy Ghost. We have our times we flub up and we sin and we make mistakes. And that's where daily repentance comes in. And we, we repent to the Lord and we kind of put the square back to the corner and square it up and sure it up, so on and so forth. But if you've never had a change, the, the Old Testament prefigure of some of this that happens in the, in the New Testament, the Old Testament prefigure, you remember the first king of Israel by the name of Saul. And the Bible, now, now the Holy Ghost is not back there. People were moved upon by the Holy Ghost, but they were not moved in by the Holy Ghost. All right. And the Holy Ghost moved on them. And the Bible spoke. Samuel spoke to Saul. He said, you're going to get among the prophets. You're going to begin to prophesy. And I'm going to put a new heart in you. And you will become another man. Look at it in the book of Samuel. He said, a new heart I'm going to give you. And you're going to become another man. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. It was just as prophesied to him. And Samuel, you got among the prophets. He prophesied. Spirit came upon him. Another heart was given to him. Amen. And evidently there was such a radical change that the people who knew Saul aforetime looked at him and they asked each other the question or pondering, is this the son of Kish? Saul was the son of Kish. Is this the son of Kish? Why are you saying that? Because that doesn't seem to, he's not acting like the son of Kish. He's not acting like Saul that we used to know Saul to act. Old Testament is just a moving on of the spirit. A new heart was given to him and he became another man. That was just a prefiguring for what would happen in New Testament scripture when the spirit would move into you. A new heart is given to you and you become a different person. In so much people look at you and say, what happened to you? Are you the same Angie Craig? Are you the same Sharon? No, no, no. I'm not the same. I received, he's in me and I'm in him. How do you know that? He gave me a spirit. How do you know that? I spoke with new tongues and now this change is starting to process him. It's more than just belief. More than just faith. It's all these other things combined. Because if that was just the case, people would be taking John 3, 36, uh, that says something along these lines. He that believeth on the Son have everlasting life. There you go. Sign still deliver. I believe the Son. Boom, everlasting life. Yee. That's one scripture. Out of, go find the little statistics that says how many verses are in the Bible. That's one out of all these. He didn't give one verse as his book. He gave all of this as his book. You know, people be real guilty. They, they take a speech of somebody, they just take one line and they take that out of the context in which it's written. Take that one line. They could, even me preaching here this morning, they could just take a few lines out of this, set along, and man, hit it like a military against, against a poor old lone soldier, you know, and make me say what I didn't say because they take it out of context. Whenever you start taking one verse out of the context of his word, you can start making it say whatever you want it to say. got a mandate I believe that uh, Aquila and Priscilla in Acts 18 understood that mandate for instance they came across an individual by the name of Apollos many of you probably have heard of Apollos they came across Apollos the Bible speaks in Acts 18 and verse 24 that he was an eloquent man he was even mighty in the scriptures 
he had a heart to be doing really what was right for God. He was mighty in the scriptures. He was an eloquent man. Uh, he came and uh, he was instructing. He was speaking the only baptism that he knew of. Let me put it like this. The only knowledge he had was that of the baptism of John. But he was beating the band the best that he could with what he had. With the scriptures, the knowledge of God. They, he was expounding. He was teaching. He was doing whatever he could. And Aquila and Priscilla heard him. And no doubt by what he was saying, his subject matter, what he said, they understood that he had a particle and not the hope. They could hear if he was going to start teaching or preaching a baptism and understand very quickly he had the baptism of John and no more. But the Bible says evidently Aquila and Priscilla understood the mandate that was upon them. Look at verse 26 of Acts 18. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them, and look now, and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. He just, the only knowledge this guy has is the baptism of John. He says, but we have and understand that whenever Jesus spoke to us, that there was one that was coming whose shoes we would not be able to latch. And he would baptize us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. We, 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 we understand and we, 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 we have an understanding that he doesn't have. And so we're going to share with him and expound to him more perfectly the way of God and they did that unto Apollos now here is the awesome thing folks they weren't listen they weren't waiting so we'll just let this revelation someday along the line unfold for our dear friend Apollos they expounded the way more perfectly and evidently in so much if you read the book of Corinthians Corinthians chapter number, First uh, Corinthians 1, I believe it is, and, and chapter number 3, either 1st or 2nd Corinthians. Sometimes it's easy to get those mixed up, which chapter, but 1st or 2nd Corinthians, either 1 in each or 3 in each. You read of, and this name pops up again, Apollos. You'll remember, some, Paul was talking to them, some of you Corinthians, because they were having trouble. They were deeming it important about who baptized them. And say, well, some of you are saying you're a Cephas, which was Peter. Some of you are saying you're of Paul. Some of you are saying you are of Apollos. Uh-huh. He goes further in Scripture, in chapter 3 of one of those. He goes down and he says, but listen, guys. I've watered, Paul says, or I've planted. And he says, Apollos watered. He said, but it's God that gives the increase. Why are you saying all this, Brother McGee? Because evidently, Apollos had a change of preaching and teaching after his encounter with Aquila and Priscilla. Because later then in the Corinthian church, we see he had a hand in their baptism. That was immersion in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's because there were two people, Aquila and Priscilla, said we're not putting this off to another day. But we're going to start where he is of John's baptism. We're going to explain this way of God more perfectly and so then in the corinthian church he's exercising in the more perfect way and expounding what he had learned not because it was lesson 17 of a new convert class i believe being in kind i believe being in kind 
being kind and gentle and compassionate, all of that. All of these, any place is a good place to start. <laughs> Let me tell you, any place is a good place to start. But as I've already, and bear my repeating, any place is a good place to start, but it's not a good place to stop. You'll stand with me this morning. I'll come to a close for today. I know it's just five after, or ten after, rather. Looky there. This might not be the only weekend I talk about because it's trending. Trending in the religious world. Because I'm going to read this book. Because I already know that somewhere along the line that they're going to give the blessed assurance of once saved, always saved that you can't fall from grace and you can't fall outside. Once you become a part of God, then there's no way that you can ever be separated from him. Well, I wish someone would have told Adam and Eve about that. I know, folks, that sometimes I come forth real brash, but really, I'm not trying to be, I am not trying to be ugly. I'm just sold out on this thing right here. And I probably do come forth just ugly and brash and like a little brat. I'm not trying to be a brat. I'm a brat for Jesus if I am. It makes me want to talk about the other stuff now, you know. Anyway, let's bow our heads in this place to stay today. Hallelujah. God, I need you right now. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.